0: You're listening to RiverCast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Guilderland, New York. Now, here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good reminder, River. So good to see you guys. Good morning. Good morning. I hope you are doing well in this Thanksgiving season. I imagine there have been a lot of turkeys been bought and uh, sitting in your fridge. And uh, nice one there, Vicky. I like that. <laughs> I bet you don't do that next week. <laughs> So anyway, hey guys, if you're new at River, I just want to welcome you. I won't call your name out and embarrass you like I just did her, but we are truly glad that you're here this morning to worship God, and we are kind of a come-as-you-are-and-what-you-see-is-what-you-get kind of church. We just have a desire to help people to know Jesus Christ and to follow Him, and as they do, lives change, unbelievably so. Um, this morning, I'm going to talk to you about what happens when religion goes bad, when things begin to fall apart. I went to the dentist a few weeks ago and, uh, you know, did the whole cleaning thing and all of that. And I would pretty much rather do most things in life than to go to the dentist, to be perfectly honest with you. And uh, for lots of reasons, I just, it's, it just feels like a waste of time. But I know eventually that I will be, you know, blessed in all of that as I have okay teeth as I get older. But anyway... So, you know, the the dentist comes in and kind of goes, hmm, and, you know, hmm, and whenever a dentist or doctor does that, and they're kind of looking perplexed, you know, like, okay, this is not a good thing, when they kind of go beyond the normal, and he kind of holds up a mirror, and he's like, see this, and I'm like... He says, see that little spot on the, the corner of your tooth? He's like, yeah, it's not a cavity, but we're going to have to work on that. And I'm thinking, nope, never saw that in my whole life. I don't know what you're talking about. So I just, I, he showed me, and I don't know if it was a chip tooth or whatever. He said, you know, it's kind of strange, but it's I just think you just had a, um, a soft tooth there, and it just, you know, some of it was messed up or whatever. So they fixed it, and then they did the mirror again afterwards, and like, see how nice and pretty you look. So this morning, as we've been kind of walking through the book of Judges, I want us to, 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 to think about that what God has done in the book of Judges, what He's trying to get across to us, is He's holding the mirror up to us and He's pointing out to us over and over and over again See, see how things really aren't so good in your life? See that where your reality really is. He's, he's holding the mirror up constantly, wanting us to take a deep reflection into our lives. You know, if we're not careful, we go back and we read the Bible almost like we watch a, a, a hero movie or a, a, a rom-com with a happy ending. You know, We almost like read ourselves into the part of the story that everything's good and wonderful and all of that. And truth be told, God wants to see us on the broken side of things more often than not. Uh, The Bible says in Isaiah 55 that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He he is completely different than you and and me. And In fact, the Bible says that as far as the heavens are above the earth, in Isaiah 55, so are God's thoughts higher than our ways. What that's saying is, it's not just that God is wiser or thinks more. It's not even the health, wealth, and prosperity message that, oh, guys, I have a wonderful plan for your life, and my thoughts are so amazing and so good for you. Um, it's actually more than that. God is saying, guys, you are living down in the, the, the garbage world. You're, you're, your ways naturally are sinful and separated and in this, this garbage heap compared to where I am. The farthest galaxy away, I am told, is 32 billion miles away. Uh, Light years. not Excuse me. Light years. Not miles. 32 billion light years away. Now, I'm not a math guy, but apparently one light year equals somewhere around six trillion miles. So that's somewhere like a hundred billion trillion, and I don't know what that number is. I will leave the math to other really smarter people than me. And I, don't, I know that supposedly the universe is expanding and all of that, and I don't understand what in the world all of that means. But let's just say that is a really long way away. What God is telling us is there is an infinite distance between where your brain functions and the morality of your soul and your life compared to mine. And what God is trying to do, just like the dentist did to me, who understands teeth and is taking the time to inspect and look at things, Sean, you are absolutely clueless. And he held the mirror up to me to help me to see reality. That's what God has been doing for us in the book of Judges just constantly. And and so this morning, I want us to to take a deep look into that mirror and to kind of, as we begin ending Judges, honestly, next week's ceremony, last week. And I want us to realize that God wants to change that in our life. He wants to bring things new. He wants to change our life. He wants to save us, forgive us. But we first have to be willing to look in that mirror and to face the reality of that. So take your Bible, if you will, and look with me in the book of Judges, chapter 17. The last two kind of stories that are in this book are kind of the, I don't know, it's just the I don't know what the metaphor is. It's not the cherry on the top. It's not the 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 whipped cream certainly on it, or the I like my pumpkin pie with lots of extra. Uh, was that Cool Whip? What is the sugary white stuff? You know, like I don't. I anyway. So this is like God is saying, look how ridiculously messed up life was, and He's warning us, saying that. We're just like that. We need to put ourselves in, that sh- in those shoes, but He's warning us to come out from under that and to be and to live differently and to have a relationship with Him. So read with me in Judges 17, 1 through verse 6. The Bible says this, There was a man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, The eleven hundred pieces of silver that were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse, and also spoke it in my ear. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it." Get the picture. So here's Micah. Micah's got kids, and he's got family, so he's going to his mom, the grandmother, and the family. And his grandmother had an exorbitant amount of money. I mean, 1,100 uh, pieces of silver would have been an extreme amount of money. And he stole it. He wanted it. He stole from mom. Uh, which speaks a lot about his character, okay? And mom uttered a curse. So Micah, being a somewhat superstitious guy, said, "Uh uh-oh, this is now cursed money. I better go back to mom and fess up and give it back to her, all right? So continue the story. So his mother said, blessed be my son by the Lord. So she goes from cursing him to now blessing him. Which I'm floored at that. Mom should have been like, dude, what are you taking my money for? What, what's, do you, your kids need braces that badly? What's, you, know, you lose your job or are you just really being a jerk? But she didn't. She just blesses her son. And he restored the 11, verse 3, 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I dedicate the silver to the Lord from my hand for my son. i get the irony of this. To make a carved image and a metal image. Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. There's one saying for this. This is just really messed up. Son, you're blessed because you told me the truth and you gave me the money back. And now I'm going to take some of this money and I'm going to bless the God of heaven, the I am, that I am. She uses the personal name of God here. And I want you to go make an idol out of this money. Everything that we know in the Bible, first commandments, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You will not make any graven images. They should have known that this is just absolutely, absolutely absurd what she tells him to do. So he goes and he gives her the money in verse 4. And so when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver, gave it to the silversmith who made it into a carved image and a metal image. And it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine. And he made an ephod. That was another religious thing that was used kind of in, in, in connecting with God to understand what God's will was. And, and household gods. He had made an ephod and household gods and he ordained one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, huge verse, in those days there was no king in Israel Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. What these verses are trying to tell us is things have gotten so bad that people who were supposedly thought they were worshiping God, thought that they were living purely, thought that they were honoring God, had so fallen into idolatry that they couldn't tell the difference between the two. They couldn't tell the difference between a healthy cell and a cancer cell if they were a doctor. If they were a, a, a banker, they couldn't tell the difference between a counterfeit bill and the real bill. They have so lost themselves in sinful idolatry that they can no longer distinguish between what God really had told them to do and what was their own imagination. And all across the board, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. What God is telling us, first thing I want us to recognize this morning, what God is telling us in Judges, and this is kind of the, 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 the creme de la creme, the, you know, the very top of, of everything, is that you and I left to our own devices, left to ourselves, we will always, always mess things up. We'll mess it up. God, was the, God knew the whole world was messed up. When He made Adam and Eve, He knew they were going to blow it. He made them perfect and pure and good, sinless. Gave them the ability to choose right and choose wrong. And they chose wrong. And consequently, everybody after them is plunged into choosing wrong. They messed it up. And so God, all along, He didn't have to go back and say, Wow, I didn't didn't see that coming. Oh, I didn't know Adam and Eve would do that. I can't believe that. I'm so hurt and offended. He knew what was going to happen. He didn't have plan B or plan C in line. He already had it from time and eternity, time past. He already had what his plan was going to be as he created people to worship and to know him. They blew it. So then he, over time, he called a people to himself, the Jewish nation, to reveal Himself to them so that they might know Him personally, have a personal relationship with Him, that He might establish a covenant with them of righteousness, that they would follow Him and that they would obey Him. And the process is they put their trust in Him as their God and that ultimately that one day He would send a Savior Jesus to die on the cross for them. They didn't know His name, but they knew that they needed a sacrifice. That's what all those animals were. And they knew that those animals couldn't possibly cover their sins, atone for their sins. So instead they were to look toward the one who would come, who would be worthy, the, the Messiah, the Savior. And God's plan in all of that was to Reveal Himself to make a way of salvation so that the world could be forgiven, so that people could be restored in a relationship with Him. So God got it right, if you will. He called these people out out of Egypt and He revealed His law to them and He revealed His holy character to them. In fact, He put His presence before them in the, the pillar of fire by day, and the, 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 or by night, and the, uh, the cloud by day, and they followed God. So God was there in their midst, and He gave them all that they needed to what they should do to get it right. And it's, and it's as if God stepped back after winding things up spiritually where they should be nice and tight, and then they began immediately... To unwind and completely undo and mess up everything that God had done. So quickly in the book of Judges, we've seen God seen them completely undo all the, the truth and all of the righteousness and all of the God revealing his own self to them, and they totally messed up their lives. You see, you and I left our own devices, we will always mess things up. Always. And, and frankly, in, in every arena of our life, but especially spiritually, we will, we will always mess things up before a holy God in heaven. You go in, so many of us, if you've lived a few years, got a few miles under your belt, which is a politically correct way of saying you're older, <laughs> which is a politically correct way of saying you're just plain old. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm headed in that direction myself. But if you've, if you've got a few miles under your belt, You can look back in your life and some key moments in your life where you thought, oh, this is going to be great and it's going to be fantastic and I'm going to to get it and everything's right and good and then realize, well, I really screwed that one up. I really messed that one up and that it never quite goes as well as you think and if you're being really honest with yourself, you realize that it's just not the other person. It's just not the situation that... You've messed things up. See, that's the nature of who we are. God, as we walk through the book of Judges, is helping us to deal with the reality. Now, if you and most of us, if we walk around in this world, we think, well, I'm a pretty good person. I'm pretty accomplished. I've got all kinds of capabilities. And if we struggle to allow this truth to sink into our soul, we're even more messed up than we know. Because God is trying to say, you guys are just like them. That's why he took time to walk us through all of these stories and, and down this downward spiral in, in Judges. And now we're kind of, not so much, I guess, the top, but we're kind of getting to the bottom of the barrel of just saying, look, God, every time and every turn when people sinned against God, he, he, he allowed the enemy to conquer them and to oppress them so that they would start looking up and look for answers and he would deliver them and then, they would then go even further and deeper into this hole and to finally we're getting at the bottom of that barrel and they are so confused that they think that they're actually worshiping the God of heaven and they're worshiping idols. So the first thing I want you and for me to recognize and to accept to let sink into our hearts, sink into our mind, and sink into our soul is that Left to our own devices, left to our own abilities, left to our own preferences, left to our own choices, we will always mess things up. Spiritually, things will go, just the the law of thermodynamics, they will go from order to disorder. From complexity to just decay and, and all of that. The culture around us will reflect that. Society around us will reflect that. And it's in the heart of everyone. Second thing I want us to recognize, not only do we mess things up, but in the process of that is that we will invent a religion ourselves. We will create a religion, a faith, if you will, of our own making, of our own choosing. Look at the rest of the story. So Micah makes his, he ordains his own son to be priest. He didn't have authority to do that. That was not at all the way God said to do it. In fact, it was supposed to be for uh, uh, the the line, uh, uh, a special bloodline amongst the Jews. Not just anybody could be the priest. And and anyway, just so messed up at all kinds of levels. Now look look at the second part of the story. Now there was a young man of Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite. He is one who would be a legitimate priest. And he sojourned there. So this other guy comes by to Micah's house. And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem in Judah to sojourn where he could find a place. And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah. And Micah said to him, Where do you come from? And he said to him, I'm a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I'm going to sojourn where I may find a place. In other words, economy's bad, religion's at all time low, Uh, If you are a priest, you are not making enough to live on because people were not following God and not obeying God's ways. So he was striking out to somehow find a a way that he could earn a living for his family. And it's it's an indictment, indicative, if you will, of that time. So notice what uh, Micah says in verse 10. And Micah said to him, stay with me and be to me a father and a priest. And I will give you ten pieces of silver a year and a suit of clothes and your living. Micah wanted his own personal, personal priest, his own pastor, if you will. And the Levite went in, and the Levite was content to dwell with a man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordained the Levite, didn't have the authority to do that, but he did. And the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me, because I have a Levite as priest. Wow. Micah and this Levite, they are making their own religion. Micah is a deeply spiritual man, very sincere, trying to honor God, trying to, you see, God made us, to worship as people. The reason religions are all around the world is because by nature we are spiritual beings. We're not just physical beings that need food and water. And we're not just, you know, have emotions and all of that. But we are a spiritual being made to have a relationship with the God of heaven. And so you can't just turn that off, if you will. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an appetite, it's a part of who we are. And so in the middle of this mess, in the middle of all of the junk that they've gotten all messed up, that God tried to straighten out and explain it to them, get it right so they could really know him and have a relationship with him, Micah is still a deeply spiritual man. He's deep, very confused, very sincere, but he's sincerely confused. And he creates this little shrine in his house. I don't know if he had a special room. I don't don't know if it was another little outbuilding if he had, but, I mean, he had his candles going, he had his little statues and his little altars there, and he had his little holy, sacred space that he would do his own little religious thing, all of which God said, don't do any of that. You're supposed to worship God at the tabernacle. You're supposed to not make any images of God. And so he had created that, just a, a, a very spiritual man, and he says, oh, this is awesome. Now I have a legitimate priest. I don't know what his son thought when he kicked him to the curb and said, You're fired, kid. You know, I'm not this other guy who's a real Levite. He's gonna be my priest to me, but but he he brings him in to, to, to worship him or to to worship God and to and he thinks that, well, now God is really gonna, really going to bless me in the process. You see, here's the point. We as people will always create our own religion. We always invent that, we will always change that, we will always corrupt that which God intended for us. God was warning the Jews not to do that. And they were completely changing what God had designed and what God had ordained. Completely turning it around. I, see, I sense in our churches in America, in the U.S. today, that we are probably at an all-time high of changing the the worship and changing the the relationship that we have with God. False worship, if you will. All-time high. God tells us, guys, there's only one way that you can know me, it's through my son Jesus. And everything is all about him. It's not about anything else. It's not about any other stuff that you could add to it. It's not about any other changes. My grandmother, um, I've mentioned her a couple of times over the years but she was brought up in a Christian home to some degree and she uh, brought my dad up in a Christian home. But my my grandmother uh, was a part of a a church. I won't tell you the actual name of it, but it's the third largest denomination in the country. So a lot of the churches are around here. And the church that she was brought up in didn't particularly teach a lot of the Bible or teach a lot of the truth. And then when my grandmother moved from from, uh, San Francisco, where my dad was born, to Sacramento, she left that church and she joined a really as a cult. It's called Unity. A uh, very new agey kind of thing uh, into crystals and thoughts and just all kinds of stuff. And, um, and, and I watched my grandmother, you know, I, I obviously, I mean, I wasn't born yet. My dad was a kid when that happened, so I wasn't around. But, you know, I can look back at her life And I can say that she was a very spiritual person. When she would visit our home, she would meditate. She would go and close the door in in the bedroom where she'd stayed, and she would would meditate, you know, blank her mind out, and she would send these thoughts all around the world and feel all these vibrations and connections and her crystals and all of this stuff. Um, Meditation very different than what the Bible tells us in meditating on God's Word. And... And what I came to realize was is that my grandmother, even though she was exposed to church, exposed to who Jesus is, and in the, it wasn't enough for her. You see, she still believed in God, still believed in Jesus. She denied that Jesus was really God, the son. She thought he was little s, son of God, just a created being. But what happened was is, in her Christian church experience, she really didn't have the real deal. She really didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So, and trying to have something that was real, that was meaningful, she was vulnerable and wanting to be a part of something that, that added more stuff to it. And so she ended up going down this spirituality trail, trying to you know, feel good vibrations and energy around. I remember when she and she took me out to uh, Sedona, Arizona. Have you guys ever been to Sedona? Anybody ever been to Sedona? A couple of you have been. Beautiful, right? I mean, just incredibly gorgeous, nothing like it on the East Coast, just uh, just incredible rock cliffs, outcroppings, and amazing. And, you know, we got out of the car, and she and the other woman that brought me out, uh, took me out there, she said, don't you just feel the energy? in these energy fields, talking about like a new age kind of energy that you know, is gonna heal me or do whatever, and I'm thinking, wow, this is really beautiful, but I just see the fingerprint of my God who created something that's amazing. I'm not picking up some sort of you know, in, in internal vibes in the middle of all of that. You see, here's what I'm driving at. There are so many who've been brought up in Christian churches around us today, and maybe you too, that for you, Christianity really is just a religion. And you really don't have the real deal relationship with the God of heaven. And consequently, you're fishing around for adding other stuff to bring more meaning special candles that you light, special things in your life to make things real. And God is just like, you know guys, it's really all about my son Jesus. It's really about him. It's not about any of that other stuff. You don't, you don't need to add to. Anything. In fact, it becomes kind of dangerous when you do. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 18. You don't have to turn there. Uh, It may or may not be on the screen. But look at, listen to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. Here's what God told the Jews early on. He said, "When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations." Judge the book of Judges tells us they didn't keep this basic commandment, guys. I'm going to bring you into this land. Don't do what they do. There shall not be found among any one of you who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. Part of the reason God hates idolatry is not only is it an offense to God, but it's even wrongs people. There were people who were worshiping idols that that they thought that their God was pleased when they would literally burn their child alive on an altar in the name of, of, of their worship, of their religion. And God says, don't do that. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or predicts omens, think today a psychic. It's, what's, it's who psychics are. He says anybody that does any of that, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer. Somebody who engages the dead. Think like a, a, medium, a medium. Necro means death. If you have skin, it's dying. It's necrotic. Same kind of word. So don't Anyone who inquires of the dead, they should not be found in your midst whatsoever, he's saying. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations to the Lord, your God is driving them out before you. That's why God was removing them out of the land. They didn't get it right. They were a mess, and God was straight bringing in His true religion and true faith of what it was supposed to be about through the Jewish people. And they, in turn, messed it up. He says, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers, they're into psychics in other words, and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Down in verse 19 he, he says, actually verse 18 he says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And who will not ever not listen to my words and that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. I read all that to say this, and he goes on and talks about the prophets and the false idols and all of that. I read to say all, all of that to say this. We're at a time, increasingly, where people who claim to be Christians, who've gone to church and claim to believe in God, are pursuing psychics and mediums reading their horoscope, looking to astrology, all of these things that God says, these are an absolute abomination that are playing with idols, that are uh, doing things that God says, I hate those things. I read a a little article, just trying to better understand um, things, I guess just where the current reality is. And I read this woman who was a psychic and she was describing how to get rid of evil spirits in in a home And it was just so laughable. It was just like, people pay money for this. I was like, this is crazy. And you know, in essence, it told the person to, to to go take a cold bath and with with sea salt and or with salts and kind of purify their body, and maybe dip some essential oils in there because that's really cool, good too, and, and get some bells or hand cymbals or those kinds of things and say Om a lot and over a period, in, in, in over a period of a few days, if you do this really well, that you can basically chase the, the evil spirit out of your home and, and out of your existence. And I thought, that's the most absurd thing that I ever heard in my entire life. Like even demons are gonna laugh at that kind of thing and it's just absolutely ridiculous to be putting your faith and trust in, in someone that would say such ludicrous, absolutely absurd things. You see, God tells us, and, and, and I'm thinking, why, why would I want to listen to a medium who's supposedly contacting my great-great-great-grandmother that I've never met, and I don't know her name at all, Why would I wanna talk to her, if that were even possible, when I can actually talk to the God of the universe who made her? See, that's what God's getting at right here. It's like, look guys, you don't need to be talking and listening to people who are predicting omens and special divination and trying to predict the future and who are telling you that they're talking to the dead. That stuff is garbage. Instead, you should be talking to me. Instead, I'm going to send you a prophet who's going to speak my words. And you will know that they're my prophet when their words truly real deal come true. I want you to know me. I want you to have a relationship with me. I don't want you to, to be pursuing all this hocus pocus and all this other stuff. By the way, you know, mediums and those individuals are either fake or they're dealing absolutely with demons. And demons do have supernatural knowledge, so can they actually tell you some things that really happened that they would not know of their own accord? Absolutely, and they make you think, oh my goodness, this thing is real. There's information here I knew not about. No, you're actually listening to a demon that's giving them some information that they don't even fully understand. And then, because demons are always liars and are always trying to cheat, they will give you just enough that you think they're credible, and then they will put lies in after that that you begin to believe or follow and do stupid and wrong and just awful things. And that's why God says, throw all of that out the window. You see, guys, we live in a world where people are going to create their own religion and put their own meanings to all kinds of things. And we live in a world that God is looking at us just like the judges today. Just like Micah, superstitious and curses and all of that stuff and making things up the way we want. And God as heaven is saying, guys, I have spoken in these last days through my son Jesus. He's the final word that you need to hear. I have given you my Bible to, to, that you might know me, that you might have a relationship with me. And some people say, well, Sean, I've got done that religious thing and it hasn't done anything for me. Listen, if that's where you are, I would be willing to say that you really don't know the God of heaven. The God of this universe will absolutely change your life. You cannot be the same person if you really know the one who created all the stars, who knows them by name, who knows the number of the very hairs on the top of our head, which tells me God is good at least at at subtraction. I don't know if he knows multiplication and division, but as I lose more and more hair, I know he's good at subtraction. I know that for a fact. That that God who invented all of this, that wants to know us, why would any of us want to fool around and try to open ourselves up to demonic activity and lies of this world when He says, guys, I've I've provided everything for you. So I want to warn you to be careful. Increasingly, increasingly, you're going to be tempted and faced the reality of a sinful desire in your heart and that going on in the culture around us to invent and recreate your own religion to create meaning. Just as my grandmother who did not know Jesus at all tried to create all this meaning and all of, add all of this stuff that sounds good and the world around us is adding all of this and it's selling it online and it's selling all of these supposedly good vibes and it's just nothing but spiritual snake oil. And God says, See, you're just like the people and Judges. So be careful. Be careful. Third thing I want us to realize. When we then begin, because we mess things up and we begin to create a way of worshiping God that's opposite of everything that He tells us, then the wheels begin to come apart in our life. Not just spiritually. These aren't just spiritual issues. These become realities in our world. The, the, our things begin to fall apart pretty quickly in our lives. You see... If we think about the relationship that Micah had, Micah didn't know what it was to know the one true God. We see a guy who's a liar, who's a thief, who's an idolater, who is selfish and self-centered in the process. We see him hiring a a religious a pastor, a priest or pastor, and we see all of their relationships beginning to fall apart. When you and I do not serve and do not know and have a personal relationship with the God of heaven and we begin to make a religion unto ourselves, we do everything that we think that's right by our own eyes. We become selfish and self-centered. It's, we, we become very into, well, what, well, if it's good for me, then that's good enough because I'm the one that matters. When you and I fall into that level of pragmatism of how we live spiritually, we fall into that pragmatism in every area of life. We do what we think is what's right rather than saying, oh my goodness. There's a God in heaven who's transcendent, who's above all, to whom I am accountable to. When you and I create that religion in our own world, we sit on top and make ourselves the authority rather than on the bottom receiving that which God has given to us. When you and I are on top, we put ourselves as authority over our lives, over our spirituality, and we put ourselves on top when it comes to everything that we do relationally. See, that's why Micah was willing to go rob his mother. And frankly, the only reason he gave her the money back was because he was still worried about himself. He's like, oh no, mom made a curse. Now this thing's going to come at me. I've got to get out from under this curse. So it wasn't enough money for him to endure the curse. He didn't give it back because he got his life right with God and was convicted. He was looking out for himself and he was creating life all about him. His relationships began to erode. This priest, this Levite that came in, the the rest of the story in chapter 18 is even more breathtaking. There are some guys that come from from the tribe of Dan, the nation of Dan, if you will, or the, the people of Dan, not our Dan, <laughs> but uh, Dan in the Bible. and and they five people come, and they they come, and what they were really the spies looking for this new special land that they could conquer and could carve out a better place to live. In other words, they 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 wanted wealth, they wanted prosperity, and and they come and they stay and they see this Levite and they, they hear his accent and realize he's not from that area. And they're like, where are you from? And he says, well, I'm a, I'm a Levite. I'm from Bethlehem. And they're amazed and they see the idols and all the ooh, little special religious spiritual stuff going on. Well, they come back with 600 men. And they take those idols. And the, the Levite, by the way, his name was Jonathan. Uh, we don't find that out till the end of chapter 18. But if you look at at Judges 18, 18, when these men went into Micah's house, the Bible says, they took that carved image, the ephod, the household gods, the metal image. The priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, keep quiet, put your hand on your mouth, come with us and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for you to be a priest to the house of one man or to be a priest to a tribe and a clan in Israel? And the priest's heart was glad and he took the ephod, the household gods, and carved image, and he went along with the people. <laughs> Get the picture. They're like, hey man, don't you want to be a spiritual leader to us? By the way, it's never a good sign when your spiritual leader is a liar and a thief, and you like that, and are inviting them to, to you to be a father and your priest. And he's like, and they said, Don't you want to be in a big church? Isn't that a whole lot better than just in this little house? Here's the point I'm trying to make. Personal relationships fall apart when you create your own religion because you don't have a God that you answer to. You don't have a God that says you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Instead, you love yourself. Or you come up with some pop psychology that says, well, i got to love myself here and therefore I'm going to be mean to you. (laughs) And instead... It ruins your relationships with one another. Instead, your spiritual life becomes even a mess because just as this pastor, this Levite, goes and and says, oh, I want to be a a big name pastor. I want to be, you know, have all the influence and have all the ratings and have all the followers. And he was willing to lie and to steal to, to make that happen. Family begins to fall apart. In fact, these people, when they go back, they steal the the idols from, from Micah, and they leave, and they take the priest with them. They go to this other land that they had spied out, and it was far enough away that they could get away with it. Nobody would hear about them, and they absolutely did genocide over the whole region. They killed all the men, women, and children, everyone, so that they could have their nice, prosperous, happy, comfortable life. Why? Because they rejected the God of Heaven, they rejected Jesus as their Lord, their Messiah, they created a religion themselves, and as a result they set themselves up as the final authority, doing what was right in their own eyes. You see, society around us falls apart when God is not truly God in the world. In other words, evil gets more evil. Relationships, families begin to pull apart. Because this world only operates. The, 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 laws of, the law of gravity, of physics, of mathematics, of, just, of life, things that we accept scientifically, the spiritual laws of God are absolutely as inviolable or unbreakable as those laws. And when you and I don't live according to what God has created for us, and we try to make our own set of rules to how we can know Him, not only do we not know Him, not only are we full of it, and we will not have, go to heaven when we die, we do not have a relationship with Him, but we also make a mess in our life in this world around us. We see nothing but greed, lying, stealing, murder, everything, because the people here had rejected the God of heaven. So this morning, guys, I want us to all take a deep breath and to look in our own soul and say, God, I'm just like those people. Were it not for you, I would absolutely be doing all of these things as well. I want you to look deep in your soul if Jesus is really not enough and you're trying to add other stuff to make you feel it more or to somehow make it a more reality or you've uttered, you know, things like, well, maybe your God is like this but my God is not like that. No, you don't have the authority to say who God is and God isn't. Only God can do that. Only God has that authority by which you must submit yourself if you've created your own little system and values, then you need to take a really big, close, hard look into your life. Because God has given us His Son, Jesus. And He tells us what the antidote to all of this is. And it's Isaiah 55. I'm going to read this, and then I'll be done. Isaiah 55 says this, as soon as I get there. Verse 6 says this Seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. See, we're wicked not just for the things we do, it's for the things that we think. Let him return to the Lord that he might have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's antidote is very simple. He says, forsake that thinking. Forsake the religion that you've created, the faith in your own mind, all of that. Forsake your sin. Instead, return to me and seek me. Look for me. See, God sent His Son, Jesus, because He came looking for us. And when we begin to get convicted of our sin in our life, then, then we begin seeking Him. Re- reality is, is He's invisibly drawing us, pulling us along. But He tells us to seek Him. To turn our back on all of that other junk. That's the antidote to all of this. Because there's only one word that, that we need to... F- know and to follow and, and that is Jesus who was crucified for our sins who rose again and we surrender our life to him there's nothing else needed to make that real or more felt or any of that because the God of heaven invades our soul and he lives with us and he touches your heart and he touches your soul, he touches your mind and his word is so real and He changes you, and you live your life in such a way that God more and more brings you into alignment. Just like an orthodontist, when you take the kids to the get braces, they've got a standard that they're shooting for in their mind. And they put those bands and all the rubber bands and all the wire and all the tweaking and all of that to bring the teeth into alignment. What God is doing in our life, after we surrender our life to Jesus, he says, guys, your life on your own is a mess, but I'm going to bring you into alignment. And just like a kid with braces, those fur, it can be painful at times, it can be annoying, but God is taking his Bible, the standard of his person who he is, his character our black words on a white page, and he's bringing our life into alignment. So I want to challenge you this morning to allow God to bring your, your worship, to bring your life into alignment with his words. If you've created your own religion, you need to forsake that. Created your own way of thinking and added stuff in here and sprinkled a of this, a little bit into that for your own thing. You're just trying to make yourself God and be in charge of your world. And I know when that happens, there's abusive people that come after that. There's all kinds of wrongs that happens after that. Your world begins to fall apart. Relationships begin to fall apart because you're not truly following the God of heaven. And maybe you do know Christ, but you're dabbling in those worlds, in that world with some of those things you are beginning to go down the road that the judges were were doing. And God says, forsake that. And I challenge you to allow God's word to align you, to bring you into alignment with his holy standard and his holy righteousness. So I don't know how God has spoken into your heart this morning, but you and I live so much in the same way as these people. And I want to challenge you, make sure, that you not only know the God of heaven, that you have surrendered your life to Jesus, that He is all that you need, but you're rejecting all of that other, and you're pursuing Him and Him alone. So as our team comes up, I'm going to leave you with those things to think about. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that He died on the cross for our sins. Father, forgive us when we at times feel like we have to have other things to make us feel it. to make it real. God, you are already more real than anything that we would ever possibly know in our life. Lord, for those individuals that maybe have had some of the truth of your word in their life, that they know the Bible or they know of you and know of Jesus, but somehow they've never really surrendered their life to Jesus, but instead they're pursuing other things and pursuing other ways to live their life. Lord, I pray that you would convict them. Father, I pray that you would help them to see the dangers, the foolishness, and the consequences of a life that's lived really apart from you. Lord, would you be gracious to show them that they simply need to trust your son. That's all that's needed. So Lord, whatever you want to accomplish in our hearts this morning, we give this time to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to RiverCast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.